welcome to The Dead Source, your home for what the f*** is your government doing with your money. I'm Nathan, your cooling saucer host. I'm Andy, your fire them all host. And I'm Pat, your dingleberries host. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have a very special guest with us today. Yeah, so, um, so someone, I've mentioned this podcast a few times uh, in previous episodes, but uh, recent, eh, not that recent, but um, we... Somehow she agreed to come on the host of the Congressional Dish podcast, Jen Briney. Thank you for having me, guys. Oh, my Thank goodness. you so much. This is this is awesome. Um, I mean, I'm geeking out pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, Andy is. We we were trying to talk about like what's the gender neutral version of like a fanboy or fangirls. Andy is definitely a fan human of yours in a pretty serious way. Like I love it. He brings up your podcast in just like casual conversation too. Like it's it's pretty great. So um, Oh yeah. I yeah. love that. <laughs> My suggestion uh, for those of you listeners out there, if you want to talk to people that you admire a lot, just start a podcast cuz inexplicably they will agree to come on your podcast when they definitely should not. <laughs> yes, there's no reason you should have said yes to us, but we, we appreciate, appreciate it, it so much. No, I'm happy to do it. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> so before we get into it, um, how is your guys' weeks? Uh, I'm so happy you remembered this time. So often when we have a guest, they try and jump over it. We try uh, and jump over it when we don't have a guest. <laughs> it's not that important. <laughs> uh, I will say Why real quick. No one cares about us. Right. Okay. Really quick, uh, we did our Pride episode with Lexi the, last week, and then I went home for two days, and then I came back, and I cleared out more of my mom's old house, and it is crushing my soul, but it is, it is almost done, uh-huh. and uh, I'm I'm very excited for the outcome. So it's Just to be clear, his mom is doing fine, she just doesn't live there anymore. Right, exactly. That was my question. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. And this, that's what everybody has said. She has an old house that she hasn't lived in a while. And, like, it has sort of, like, fallen into, like, disrepair. So we have a renter to move into it. And we wanted to get it ready. But it was not anywhere close to being ready. So my sister and I have been breaking our backs getting that done over the last couple of weeks. And they say it's about the journey and not the destination. And I say... <laughs> that it is 100 percent about the destination because the journey is terrible what was yeah. the uh the tom hanks movie money pit yes that was one of my favorites mm. as a kid yeah yeah oh yes classic yeah Vinny, if you don't loan me that money i'll you what huh you what i'll not like you anymore I hate all kind of housework to the point that I'm purposely homeless now. So yeah. I, I was going to say, you just got rid of the house entirely. <laughs> yeah, I'm living in a residence inn and it's fabulous. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I'm pretty jealous. I mean, that's, uh, that sounds awesome. What state are you in right now, by the way? I am in Seattle where I am in the middle of a historic heat wave. It is officially the hottest day Seattle has ever had. I heard. Wow. Yeah, it's That's, it's like what 105 or something. It's 108 right now. Yikes! Oh my god, it's insane. But yeah, probably I, very low. Knowing Seattle, very low humidity though, right? Actually, it's more humid <laughs> than you would think. It's like 40 percent. So oh, I, I just, just assume it rains in Seattle all the time. <laughs> you would think. So I rolled up here with like sweatshirts and scarves, and instead mm-hmm. it's full on Vegas weather. 
Um, you guys can't see it right now, but I'm wearing dirty pajamas because it's all I have. <laughs> um, and, but the thing is, like, so is everyone. I just feel really lucky to be in a hotel because most of Seattle doesn't have air conditioning. So my mother-in-law is actually downstairs at the bar drinking with my husband because I kicked them out of the room. But she's going to be staying here with us tonight because it's too damn hot right. at my sister-in-law's house. So it's it's a real issue. And, like, I kind of wanted to... You know, have my mother-in-law sleep somewhere else. But I looked and there's no hotels available in Seattle or any of the surrounding cities oh, right now. Dang. It's crazy. Wow. And when I looked yesterday morning, there was Is plenty. Is it just because people are trying to get to air conditioning? Yeah, I think they felt what was going to be... Like yesterday was 10 degrees wow. cooler. So we hit 99, I believe. And I think that just broke too many people. And then they all just went to the hotels. But I've never right. seen an entire region sold out of hotels before it's it's pretty wild to be here and like experiencing it because i'm from southern california we hit 110 like it happens right i go to i was just in vegas this was the exact temperature but this place is just clearly not set up for it so um <laughs> yeah it's been an interesting week <laughs> i saw i saw a um a meme floating around the uh the homer simpson talking to bart he, bart says oh it's the hottest day of my life and homer says it's the coldest day of your life yeah, yeah. <laughs> for <laughs> or, bart or, or to come, like. <laughs> oh, no Ooh, it's only gonna get That's hotter um, <laughs> yeah because i'm sure they're not used to it up there not at all not at all so it's funny because people are like i've never felt anything like this before and i'm kind of laughing at it but i'm used to always having air conditioning um, yeah. So it's I feel for the people that don't because this isn't a one day thing that's been pretty damn hot here now. This is the third day and tomorrow's supposed to get a little better, but still going to be in the 90s. So yeah, and, it's, um, and it's a general and genuine health concern for a lot of people, too. It is. And it's interesting because they don't have the cooling center thing down here. So for the people in the Bay Area, because if you're on the water side of the hill, there's a mm -hmm. lot of places on that side that don't have air conditioning, too. But the Bay Area at least does a great job with cooling centers. You can go to, like, the library or community center or so many different places, and they just have the air conditioning on, and you just sit in the air conditioning. And Seattle doesn't have that. So it's interesting watching the local news where it's like this is a foreign thought to them up here. Um, but then there's also COVID that they're still concerned about. So it's... Yeah, it's a bigger mess than you would think just to be like, yeah, it's hot. But <laughs> it's, um, yeah, this is very weird for this region. Where are you guys? I don't even know. We're in Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, me, oh, my, oh, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get crazy hot here. I mean, it's it's well, been pretty hot recently. It was in the 90s recently, today. Yeah. It was in the 90s today. Yeah, yeah but you and, get humidity, too. So you get oh, that, like, sweaty. Last, last time I checked, it was, like, 79% yeah. humidity. And I'm, I should say, I'm a couple hours away from where I know, like, Andy, Pat, and I all live within spitting distance of each other normally, but I'm a couple hours away in Toledo now, so my <laughs> my weather is the same as theirs, only, like, two hours earlier, because it takes the storm <laughs> a couple hours to get to Cleveland. Yeah, I'm jealous of your storms. I work outside, I do, like, delivery driving, so, uh, like, when it's hot, uh, I have a weird thing, like, if I start sweating... It's not so bad. Like, it's that period before I start sweating that I'm uncomfortable, that I get hot. But, like, once you open that spigot, it's like, <laughs> I just don't worry about it anymore. I'm just like, okay, I'll just be sweaty. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Absolutely. Went into it.
really my my week's been pretty uneventful. Um, I get to see my mom because uh, we've been visiting since like we've both gotten vaccinated again. So um, it's super nice to be able to see her. And uh, I mean, other than that, just Dungeons Dragons doing the podcast. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I Pat, can I just say I love how often I think it's really sweet how often your best thing that happened to you that week is your mom. I think that's delightful. Oh, <laughs> that is sweet. She's a great person. We get along pretty well. Speaking of great people, is that is that a good transition? Yeah, do it. You know, depends on when... who you're talking about. If you're going to transition to Mitch McConnell after that sentence, then we're not going <laughs> to yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Speaking of great people, and then Ted, silence. No, yeah. Ted Cruz. I, no, I, I'm cruising speaking... for Cruz over here. So, uh, Well, I did uh, want to uh, formally apologize for Jim Jordan. I guess that is our yeah. bad. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is kind bad. of on us. Yeah. He's entertaining, yeah, well, at least. I got to give him that. Like, every mm. time that he shows up in a hearing, I'm at least like, okay, we're in for something. <laughs> <laughs> it's the clown circus. So, for listeners, really quickly, before I ask my opening question here, um, I, I just want to set the frame. So, Congressional Dish is a podcast. So, Jen Briney is the host here of Congressional Dish. She reads, a, like, most of the bills that pass Congress, Not right? anymore. I don't know what percent. No. I know you started out with the goal of reading all of them. Well, yeah. And that, that did not last That long. should be possible, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I didn't... You would think, think, since that's, like, a bunch of people's jobs. Yeah, so the original idea back in 2012 is I looked at the House schedule, and I was just like, you know, it should be possible for me to not only read the bills on the schedule, but do it in enough time to where I can say this is what's in the bill, and then, of course, my enormous audience would be able to contact Congress, tell them what they think, and maybe have an effect on the bill. Like, that was my naive, psychotic idea in the beginning. (laughs) So I just started doing it and learned out loud just how impossible that idea is. But I still believe that that shouldn't be insane. But it turns out that these bills are so long and passed so frequently. Like the idea back then, that Congress was called the Do Nothing Congress. Like that was the the nickname for it. And it was such a Mm -hmm. lie because they do so much and they don't even read the bills. They count on their staff, maybe have any idea what's what's in it. But pretty much they vote based on what the leadership tells them that they should be doing. Um, the vast majority of their time is actually spent fundraising instead of actually doing their job. So it's, there was so much I had to learn. So what I did for the first two years, though, is once I realized I couldn't do it ahead of time, I read every bill that passed the House of Representatives for two years. And so I had almost no life for two years. It was a miserable <laughs> experience. But I learned a lot about the process. So that's kind of where I did my learning. And then from there on forward, I just kind of figured out You know, a lot of that time was wasted because the vast majority of those bills never had a chance. I just didn't know enough to know that. And so now I'm picking and choosing. If I do spend the time reading something, it's generally a law because or something that I think is important. So like for the last um, Congress, I was kind of obsessed with this one bill that was going to help with a lot of problems we have in our election system. So like you know, one of the the low hanging fruit is voter registration. Like if you know where Mm -hmm. I live to take tens of thousands of dollars from me every year, like 
in taxes, then you know that I live here. So just register me to vote. I think voter registration is a giant scam. And so this was a bill yep. that would have s- solved that problem. And, and so many others, it was, it was a good bill and there's a new reincarnation of it. But I decided to read that one because I was like, okay, this is something that can solve problems. But for the most part, I read laws and I really, really, really love hearings. Like even if I wasn't doing this show, I'd still be watching hearings. And it's really, it's the hearings that made me want to do this more than anything because I was learning so much about our country and our world and our place in it and was extremely frustrated that I wasn't finding this information then covered by the corporate media or even like the blogosphere. Mm. It's almost like these amazing investigations happen and then nobody knows about it. And it was making me completely bonkers. So the show has shifted now into, I investigate what interests me and whatever I think is important. So it's like, I didn't want to read the American rescue plan, but they spent $2 trillion. So I felt like I should. So it's like, (laughs) some of them are just pure, like someone's got to do it. Um, But a lot of them are, you know, I'm fascinated by something I find out and I want to share it. And that's, I'd say that's like 80% of the episodes are like that. No, Jen, no, there certainly no politician would ever vote on a bill without having read it. Ugh. Come on. <laughs> it's amazing, right? That's, that seems reckless. It's embarrassing. That's very it's embarrassing. It is. So I'll just interject here. Fire them all. Yeah. <laughs> You're fired. You can, we can fire the entire House of Representatives next year. Every two years. The entire thing. Mm -hmm. All of them could be new people who are not, or maybe less in the pockets of corporations. And thank you for bringing that up because that was also one of the reasons why I felt like this was worth, you know, attempting to do as a career because that was an idea that I could actually see working to fix things where it's not something that we need the corporate media to organize. Like it's something that we can all do. We can just decide to fire our incumbent and hire anybody else, (laughs) you know, (laughs) anybody else. You got a two year contract, do your best, see what you do. And what I would love to talk about, like if I were to have this dream of mine become reality, I would want us to fire people and then hire people with one goal in mind. And that is to get money out of politics, to make bribery, illegal because that Mm. i think is the heart of all of it we have a group of people that think that their job is to fundraise for their party um and not just for themselves but for their party and i think that aspect is missing a lot too because to even get an assignment with this current like if you want to be on a committee you have to raise a certain amount of money for the democratic party for nancy pelosi to even consider you so it's done not by seniority not by expertise it's done by how much money you're raising for the DNC. So it's these people are running our Congress in a way that I think is absolutely scandalous. And if we can solve that, if we can make that illegal, punishable with, you know, put your ass in jail time. um, I think everything else can be solved when that is fixed. But right now (laughs) we have lawmakers that are corrupted by a system that is created by Democrats and Republicans together. And that's what we need to fix. And I feel like a viral campaign for people that are sick of this shit, like us, um, I don't know how to make things go viral, hence why most people have never heard of Congressional Dish. But if that ever were to go viral, it's an idea that could work. Like when we have an opportunity every two years. So that's well, why this doesn't feel as futile as it probably well, is. Well, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
We we suffer from uh, one of the same problems that maybe you do, which is no one wants to sit around for an hour and a half to two hours and listen. To <laughs> well, we're very us. popular in India for some yes. reason. Yeah, we, we love yes. you, India. <laughs> well, so and I will say we, we we can't possibly expand your India f- listenership. And I think I think <laughs> short of getting the money out of politics, I think Andy had this idea before. You just have every member of Congress have an outfit kind of like NASCAR. Where they yeah. have to post all of their like their donors on their suit that they're wearing, I think that would at least be interesting. And like the larger the donation, <laughs> the bigger the patches on their on their suit. I think that'd be great. Yeah, a visual representation of who's who they're funneling money. But to. again, it's so much more than just the individual because you not only have them funneling money to the parties and raising money for the parties, but now we have all mm. these outside organizations yeah. that are responsible yeah. for so many of the TV ads that we see. So it's it's not just the politicians taking money; it's the organizations that support them, and and the parties themselves are a giant problem. So it's even if we did something like that. We're still not tackling the whole problem because it's much bigger than that. It's yeah, it's so big it makes me want to. Yeah, it I so and this is so Nathan and I get into this sometimes about because I he uh, yeah, you can you can do it. Like, I believe in argument, you. right? But <laughs> one of the one of the, Nathan has an issue because he feels like a lot of times I say that that I'm saying like, well, the Democrats and Republicans are are, are equal that they're they're equally bad, and and that's not what I'm trying to say. But like, you know, they each they're first of all they're both working towards a certain end goal together. Um, and there, I, I mean, a lot of the differences mostly wind up just being rhetoric and things that they say at each other and not real laws anyway. Most of what actually gets done is the stuff that they agree on, which is mostly just overthrowing other governments to make more money for oil, with oil and stuff, right? I, mean, I think that's all fair. Is there much else? Yeah. What else? Well, <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I mean, so, so what I'm getting at here, sorry, is, um, you know, if you can maybe weigh in on you know can we trust the democrats at all to help fight the republicans or is that just a losing game right now we have no choice so when it comes to the republican party keeping in mind that i was raised by republicans i was a republican (laughs) in my first election like i didn't i didn't know anything and then i started doing this show i was absolutely shocked to find out that they are shamelessly corporate beholden like they're proud of it and they say it out loud and they fundraise on it and so um they are the party of big business and apparently they've been that way for a very very long time and we also have to keep in mind that they think they're doing good in the world so that's another thing that we have to combat because they really do think that the market can take care of everything despite all (laughs) available evidence so that's the republican party (laughs) they are a problem and if you look at what they're doing when it comes to voting rights they mm-hmm. are the enemy. Like, they are... Yeah. It is absolutely disgusting the way that they're trying to make it as hard as possible for us to vote. That's the side that they're on. The Democrats are on the, the right side of this. They really are trying to make it easier for us to vote and take down barriers. So the Democrats, I do have to say, especially when it that's the topic that you're zeroing in on, they are better. The problem is that around... 
I don't know, at least since the Clinton years. I mean, I was born in 1982, so that's kind of when I started, you know, thinking was the Clinton, Clinton years. Um, <laughs> at least since then, they have made this decision that they are also going to go after the big money. Right. So they have become corporate beholden, but they also have their roots that used to be like a labor, a workers party. So there's still that faction in it. So the way I look at the, the Democrats is that they're kind of a mess. Um, the party that they're beholden to, you have people like AOC that are in this party. So she has to raise money for this party to get her committee assignments. They're all kind of stuck in it and answering to Pelosi, who's one of the worst. Um, you know, you have Pelosi and AOC in the same party. So it's like you really can't look at the Democrats and be like, this is what you are because you're in this party. It has to be person by person. Because like Katie Porter mm -hmm. is my favorite Congress person, uh, maybe of all time. Yes. And she's I heard a Democrat. You talk about her in the last episode. She's amazing, and she continues to blow me away with her performance in these hearings. And just, she's always doing what I think is right for normal people. I love mm -hmm. her, and yet she is in this party that, as a whole, is really quite beholden to the same companies and the same, you know, when it comes to bankers and bailouts and you know regime change wars. And the Democrats and the Republicans agree on entirely too much. But the Democrats, if they're if these are only two options, which right now in this Congress they are, if there's hope in one of the two parties that we're going to get some benefits for the people, it's the Democrats. And they've already proven it because I did read the CARES Act when all this COVID stuff went down. And the difference between that and the American Rescue Plan, which was 100 percent Democratic, I mean, the, the Republicans voted no on this in lockstep, um, which I found absolutely shameful because the American Rescue Plan really did help a lot of people. So I can see it in their work, which is all that really matters to me. Um, but the American Rescue Plan, I mean, if that had been the CARES Act, I think our last year would have been very, very different and a lot less stressful. And I think um, we'd be in a better place now. So I think the best way that we deal with the Democrats is maybe change them from the inside or fire. Yeah. Them. I mean, yeah. I don't think we need parties at all. So I don't really know how to handle that. <laughs> right. But yeah. I, I, I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of, uh, of, of a jungle primary followed by a ranked choice voting, uh, uh, uh uh, instant runoff of the top five and uh, yeah, thing, you know, uh, yeah, big big time. Well, and, but, and um, for what it's worth, Andy, like that, <laughs> I agree with all of that, Jen. Yeah. Like that is oh, 100%. that is one hundred percent where I'm coming from. I fucking hate the Republicans, but I don't like the Democrats. It's just who I'm stuck with. I've never considered myself a Democrat. I'm yeah. just forced to ally myself with them because yeah. Republicans keep on putting up monsters over well, and over again. Yeah, right. For me, it, it, I think the, the difference is like, even in terms of, like, I mean, listen, I, I voted, the first time in my entire life voted just Democrat down the ticket in 2020, because utterly, completely f the Republicans. But. <laughs> yes, yes. But, I don't actually trust them. I only wanted to vote for whoever was the other, whoever was not a Republican, and there were only ever two options on almost all of those right. things, two viable options at the top of the ticket. I mean, I just didn't even. And Jen, you didn't you vote for Carrie Johnson in sixteen? Did I hear you say? No, I voted I for hit. Jill Stein. No. Oh, Jill Stein, she's a trip. Oh yeah, 
But I mean, she was the one that was anti-war yeah. and economically Gary Johnson was talking as if the market's going to solve it all. And like, I right. just can't have that. Mm. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, listen, we've all been on a political journey, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I voted for Gary. I, and, and I, I don't know. Anyway, if I let's had not talk about choice that. voting, let's he was my number two. So that's okay. the thing. It was yeah. just, I couldn't do Hillary or Trump. And He's, I took years no. of shit for saying that publicly. Um, yeah, I still do my, you know, and, and this will, this is a, a good segue because this, all of this stuff. And I think. A lot of us kind of know, uh, at least a lot of us who who pay attention to the news, we know better than to, like, really trust politicians. We know something schemey and skeevy is going on behind closed doors. Um, I think that, um, you know, <laughs> when I have tried to, like, explain this stuff to other people, I have struggled because... Especially, and I'll use my father as a as the um, example here. Like he's a dyed in the wool Democrat, um, and really like believes in it, it, it whatever. Um, but and he looks at me like he looked at me after I was ta- explaining all this stuff. Talk, I talked about Ukraine and so, um, like I he looked at me like I was. Joining QAnon. Donald Trump is still our president. <laughs> yeah. I swear to you. And um, I'm like, no, 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 listen. I can pull up the hearings. I can show you them saying these things. Listen. And but um, and that's, you know, that's the big difference, obviously, is that there's the actual evidence is there for, for this, for, for the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Q, QAnon stuff is obviously like completely insane. So, um but it is very difficult to get people to think I am not completely crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, um, if I can hop in real quick. So I just wanted to make the point. Um, you guys are aware that the DNC and the RNC are not government Company. institutions. They're corporations. Right. right. And it's, yeah, they're it's been, yeah, they're private. And it's been ruled that they're not necessarily beholden to any set of rules the dnc can pretty much decide who their nominee is going to be based on whatever they want um Mm -hmm. and as they've demonstrated well and the the big problem with that is that so much is decided in primaries in our election in our elections like Mm -hmm. there's there's so much of your decision that's already made for you um is there a solution to that do we need to like break up like monopoly bust these corporations or like jen i'm interested in what your what your thoughts are like can we fix the dnc and rnc i mean everything can be fixed obviously but you need to have the power to do so So Mm -hmm. when it comes to those organizations, we either choose to operate outside their system or within their system. So you look at like what AOC did. I mean, I I identify with her just because she's a bartender, dude. Like I was a waitress and she's someone that somehow captured her community. um, And she took down Joe Crawley, who was one of like the Democratic Party heavy hitters. He was like number three in fundraising, like good friends with Nancy. And um, so 
it can be done within the party by changing who the party is. They've already changed. You know, they used to be a party that kind of more aligned with the workers and the unions and they changed. And, you know, person by person, you can change them back. But we also have the ability, and I just don't feel like a lot of people seem to be aware of this on the congressional level, to run outside of their system completely. I checked. Every single district in the United States has a path for people to get on the ballot if they're not a member of either party. Now, how do Mm. you run without the money against the people with the bribes? I mean, this is where it all comes back to money again, because if you are running as just a normal person, it's not a fair fight. So it's like what I would love to see is you qualify with signatures You know, so you have to go into your actual community and get actual people to give you signatures. Anyone can do it with Mm -hmm. legwork and enthusiasm. And then you get a certain amount of money and everyone has to play without a money. And then you get to see how do they manage a campaign? Because ultimately you're hiring them to be one of our country's managers. So you should get to see how they manage stuff. But if you have one person with, you know, 50 grand, which to me is a lot of money, you have one person with 50 grand and another one with 50 million, like that's not fair. You're not comparing apples to apples. Mm. So yes, we can change this system, but first we have to, like we're getting ahead of ourselves by even being like, what are the solutions? Because we keep trusting the same people who broke the system to fix it and that's even with the the bill that i like it would help things but you're watching them like water down the part when it comes to them taking money and you can't trust the people that got their power through this system to be the ones to reform it like the first step Hmm. is to uh, for us to get normies into congress Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then we can look at the rest of it but yeah Yeah, when it's yeah everything can be fixed Right. When it's inherently in their best interest to keep a broken system, why would they possibly try and fix it? Like it's to them, it's not broken. It's a it's a feature, not a bug. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I love this question you wrote, Andy. Do you want do you want to take it? <laughs> I, don't, which, I don't know which one you're talking about, so go for it. Uh, OK, so why is Congress so important in the first place and why do Americans consistently fail to appreciate that? I mean, looking at the ratings like C-SPAN, we already talked about like, you know, very few people are watching and like it doesn't have the same sort of like violence as American football or the same sort of punch mm-hmm. that like Masked Singer has. Like it just doesn't <laughs> pull the ratings even compared to like. Uh, Rachel Maddow and Tucker Carlson, like um, C-SPAN, is just not what's on people's You're minds. About hate so- porn. Well, I actually recently met the founder of C-SPAN, and it was fascinating talking to him because when I was in the C-SPAN office, I was staying in the hotel next door, and I was laughing, and I was like, dude, I can't get C-SPAN in my hotel, and I share a wall with this place. Like, what is that? And <laughs> wow. he was explaining that C-SPAN is paid for by cable, and a lot of us are ditching our cable. And I know that like I'm living in hotels. I can't get C-SPAN anymore because most of the Marriott's have a contract. It might be DirecTV. I don't know, but it's like their own system. I can't remember the last time I've been able to get C-SPAN in a hotel. And if you're a cord cutter, which is my entire generation, Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. you don't even have access to it on television anymore. We don't have public access television in the United States if C-SPAN is the only one we have. So... I think a lot of Americans have no idea what's going on in Congress because where do you get the information about it? 
Like I, I genuinely don't know if I wasn't going on the internet and looking for it myself. So that's one of the problems. And like I said, one of the things that makes me absolutely insane is there's fascinating stuff going on all the time, but the journalists, it's really easy to do the horse race campaign coverage. And it's really fun because when you're in DC and you're covering the campaigns, that means you are going to open bar parties all the time and you're hanging out with other people covering the same bullshit story. You're covering a he said, she said type of thing. (laughs) It's not actual work, you know? (laughs) And then they all think that it's dignified because they're all doing it. There's a weird group think thing that happens in Washington DC and in the corporate media. They all know each other. They're all friends. So I'm not in that world. And I look at Congress as the most important thing because they're the ones making our laws, including the laws governing how you get to be the people that make the laws. And when I look at what affects me, I'm like, okay, I'm paying all these taxes. I want to know what's my return on that investment. And I also want to know, are you going to send my best friend off to war again? And it's Congress that is making those decisions or at least is supposed to because these congresses that I'm now kind of calling the boomer congresses because so much changed right around when I was born and my parents generation took over but these congresses have abdicated so much of their responsibility to the executive branch that it's stunning and it's not just war I feel feel like that's Mm. obvious but so many bills like Obamacare is a great example of this where like Mm. they they kind of created us a healthcare system, but they left it up to the health and human services secretary to do the details. Like mm-hmm. they didn't do the hard part of working out the details. And so with every administration, do you notice that like our healthcare system changes <laughs> like based on who the president is? Like that's right. what that well. is. So we get pissed at the president because all of the stuff that they're doing that they probably are not supposed to do, but that's because Congress is just being like, we don't want to make the tough decisions. Like, that means that we'd have to explain what we do. And so they're passing the buck. And so Mm. I feel like we need to get our Congress back under control to get our war powers back under control and to, for us to get real returns on our investment. Like I've lived in Germany. I know what it's like to have healthcare treated the same way our police and firemen are. It's amazing. Like you just go to the doctor and you don't pay anything. They just give you what you need. And then they do follow up calls. You guys, follow-up calls <laughs> to see if you're okay well, like well, it's the follow-up call is to to get you onto an, an extra medication right right so they get more kickbacks nope. no in right. fact like i asked for drugs for like what i was dealing with my eyes had crusted shut it was very very weird and um <laughs> yeah i know it was like some weird that's gross that's awesome <laughs> yeah that is my cool. eyes had crusted shut and i'm like can you give me anything and they're like I mean, we could, but you just need to wipe your eyes and it'll go away on its own. Like, they didn't have that incentive to push drugs on us and to, yeah, there's no incentive. And they didn't have that crazy (laughs) turnaround. So it's like when I go to the doctor's office, they want me in and out of there really fast here. That wasn't the case in Germany. They have a lot of doctors sitting around on standby. And the best days for them is when they see no patients because everybody's healthy. Around oh here, God. that's a bad day for our doctors because they're not making any money. It's a really fucked up thing we have here. And all of that, it's Congress that makes those rules. So it's, it's the whole idea of having like a profit motivated healthcare system as opposed to a health motivated healthcare system. And yeah, it's it's absurd. Yeah. And that's just one faction of what I'm discovering. Like, I didn't go into this podcast 
you know, looking for this. But what I have found is we have a lot of people in our government right now, the entire Republican Party and a, the vast majority of Democrats, unfortunately, that believe that the private sector can do everything better by nature. And it's a very Ugh. weird thing to do to join government and then say, oh, well, this organization I'm a part of can't function by its very nature. And so my job here is to outsource everything to the organizations that will do it for a profit. It's very, very weird. So that, I think, is also one of the core issues that we need to deal with as a country where we need to look at our government again and not be like government is good or bad or big or small, but be effective or ineffective mm -hmm. and until we have mm. people in charge of it that want it to be effective and are aiming for it to be effective we're going to keep getting these terrible returns on our investment where we're paying for our government but then we also have to pay for all these other services out of pocket because they're they're pissing our money away right on mm -hmm. so many other things can i ask do you think yeah. do you think term limits fix any of that like no. where you know I don't because I look at like Katie Porter. She's a really good example because she's actually representing my hometown, which mm -hmm. no one is more shocked about that than me. <laughs> um, but I somehow she got elected and she is serving my community so well. And even my Republican family, like they love her because they right. they've seen this woman go viral. She's the reason why the CDC made sure all te COVID tests were free. That was Katie Porter in five minutes in a hearing was able to get that promise and all of us saved so much money because of it. And everybody yeah. knows it. She's serving our community so well that I feel like if I want her to represent my hometown for the next 50 years, there shouldn't be some law in the book saying that I can't have her because good representatives exist too. Um, I feel like part of freedom is being able to choose who represents us. The thing about term limits is like it would guarantee turnover but i mean it's you're still but not dealing really with because the money. it's going to be the same corporate goons. right there's yeah. no guarantee yeah, I mean, not different name but they're going to be doing yeah i just yeah it's I, still the same raising the money for the party the party's still yeah. go, going to anoint the top two um until we tackle the party structure i think that's more important than telling the voters like oh you can't have this person anymore right no i i think that's totally fair i I just think about like the way people are spineless so often they they can't speak their their mind and if they're not like if they're not going to be able to run again maybe maybe that'll give them a spine but like no I think you're absolutely right it won't it won't happen and again it doesn't mean that their motivation isn't still going to be profit driven because they still need to like get a job after they leave as well mm -hmm. I'm very interested in this question of like expanding executive power like the executive order was not really intended to be like a way that legislation gets made um and like we have all these undeclared wars where like oh we'll just send drones or we'll just do airstrikes we should i mean the way that we conduct war now is that we just don't declare war mm -hmm. we haven't declared war in yeah. a long time just the other day, Biden ordered a, a, an airstrike of an Iran-affiliated, I think, base or something. It well, was and, in and Iraq and Syria. He Syria. bombed two countries that we're not at war was it with. Iraq and Syria? Yeah. yeah. Two countries. Right. And you know what's crazy is I saw it on CBS News, and it was a five-second thing where the lady like kind of shrugged and then went to the weather. 
Like that's how we're being told about this stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep, yep. Um, but how do we roll that back? Because like we get very heated about um, oh this president is terrible. They're, they're expanding the executive power um, when it's the guy we don't like. But when it's the guy that we're like and Congress is doing nothing, it's kind of like well you know what are you gonna do? Ho hum. I wish I had these answers, but I mean <laughs> I just so, feel like all I can do because I get activist shamed a lot and it it used to piss me off but now i understand what it is but it's kind of like when you dedicate your life to like doing something people want you to do it all so people are like why aren't you running for congress if you care so much you know like that type of thing (laughs) where i feel like all we can do is take the time that we have and use that time and effort to make it better in whatever small way we can. But if all of us kind of commit to do that, if we all commit to whatever I'm doing in my job, if it's hurting, I'm going to leave the job. Um, If, you know, it's like, I just feel like we can have conversations like this. Like you guys are doing something right now. I know you say your audience is small, but you have an audience. You're exposing these conversations. You're having these thoughts you know even just the the stuff that we're all kind of talking about we just kind of brushed over the fact that we have undeclared wars but we are living in a different universe right now than the corporate media that i saw on cbs you know because Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have brushed over that we didn't just brush over that we've talked about it multiple times now in this on this podcast so i feel like we are making headway by having these conversations by now you know, you are raising awareness to the the power that Congress has. And we really kind of have to shift away from the executive to Congress to make a difference in like how our country actually goes. We're all doing our own little bit. And what I've seen over the course of my lifetime, because I'm getting pretty damn old now, is, you (laughs) know, during the W. Bush years, some of the things that we've said in this show we wouldn't like we would have to go down a rabbit hole because it wouldn't be so common knowledge you know so it's like here's a good one right now i can say like you know they lied to us about wars back then that was a crazy thing to say like when i came back to germany from germany and said to my friends like i'm pretty sure we were lied to about the iraq war like people my friend i won't name him but like literally screamed at me at a party telling me that I'm un-American and like we didn't talk for a while like Hmm. it was crazy now that's just common knowledge amongst our entire generation and even quite a few of the boomers so the awareness is getting there our voting patterns haven't quite caught up which is why the Republicans are trying so hard to make it harder for us to vote because I think they hear the awakening I think they know Mm -hmm. that we know yeah so What we have to do is fight for our voting rights. I think that's the most important thing that we can do on an individual basis and to make sure that we get to vote. So it's like if they fuck with your ID, then you do whatever you have to do that day to make sure that you cast a ballot. Like individually, voting is still how we make change in this country. And the Tea Party is the best example of that. I mean, now they're in charge of the Republican Party. Like, (laughs) geez, they didn't only get elected 10 years ago. Now the wingbats have taken over. It's... um. We have very real power in our votes and we have very real power, even though it doesn't feel that way, by talking to each other in a kind way and having empathy in these conversations. I think that's what's going to open up more minds. And I've I've seen it. It's slow, but it's happening. Yeah. 
<laughs> I was about to interrupt and say something mean, so I feel like I shouldn't do that now. No, gonna, let's just cut that then. That's fine. <laughs> I feel. I feel like I the, definitely was going to respond by saying your empathy, but. Uh, <laughs> God. The Tea Party is like the moderate wing of the Repo- Republican Party now. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh my goodness. No, it's so no. terrifying that they're coming after but, voting rights now, though. Like, yeah. I mean, that is such a huge problem. And, like, this quote-unquote big lie that's been going around, like, these are the foundational pieces of our society. Like, this, yeah. you're talking about democracy itself, and yeah. people are worried that um, the elections are being handled by corruption, like that that uh, the votes are being counted wrong, or that the machines are wrong. Like there's there's this trust that has eroded away, um, but I, it's not by everybody. I feel like it's it's pretty much one side of the aisle that now doesn't think that voting works. Well, I mean, in my own life. I have just seen that all of the craziness with the Republicans right now, there's an awakening happening to the point that, like, people in my life that have been diehard Republicans, they don't know what to do because they find it all embarrassing. They also care about the Constitution. They just don't want to pay taxes. Like, really, that's what so much of Republicanism comes down to in so much of this country. They're not terrible people that love Donald Trump or like any of that. They're not these congressional Republicans that sided with him. They just don't want to pay taxes and they own businesses and they want to be able to do whatever they want with no regulations. Like that's what it comes down to. And those people feel like they're without a home because what happened, yes, it's really bad what the Republicans are doing, but it's also way more obvious because this isn't new. You know, during the W. Bush years, that's when I started to see it. There was um, these things called caging lists and they were crossing off the names of people that had similar names like FYI, there's a lot of black people that have the name Johnson and Jackson. And so they would cross off lists in different states. If there was like a, you know, an Allen Jackson in one state and another in another state, they would just cross them both off. And um, so the the voter registration shenanigans, they've been doing this for a really, really long time. But now there is a mass awareness of it ever since Trump made it that obvious and then people are talking about the bill now is it's this it's the for the people act which is the one that's being debated right now that would help the situation um i feel like there's an awareness of that particular bill that i've never seen before like i'll go on instagram people are talking about it is that the one that was hr1 yes yeah so it's and and S1 was like a total mess, same thing. right? That's It's the same bill. Yeah. So oh, I don't know okay. if the details are the same from my episode that I did last year, but it's the same concept. It's the Democrats yeah, yeah. attempting to take this weird 50-state patchwork that we have with our voting laws and at least setting some some basement, you know, right. you, you the, have to at least hit the these standards. It. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the minimum standards. Now, you can do the details all you want, but... There are some minimum standards and only for federal elections. So, you know, if the state wants to decide who their governor is by racing chickens across the road, like, go ahead. But for federal (laughs) elections, that's what they're trying to legislate and just set some minimum standards. And there are people that I've just seen that have never been political before that are going on Instagram and just being like, by the way, guys, like, I'm really for this For the People Act. I'm kind of concerned at how hard it was for me to vote. And and I'm seeing this from people that 
are just not people that would ever even listen to my show. So I do feel like, huh. like I said, there's an awareness that needs to happen before the action happens. And I, I am happy that I'm seeing it. And yeah. The, yeah. If I wasn't yeah. seeing it, maybe I'd stop doing this stupid job. But I am seeing <laughs> it. <laughs> so I do have some it's, hope. But we're, yeah. there is a clock ticking. And um, the Republicans, they're far more ruthless in their their sure. goals. And so the fact that we're protected by the Democrats, it's not great news. Fuck Joe Manchin, no, no, though, that's right? that's not super great. <laughs> yeah, Joe Manchin's been a problem. He's basically been Republican for a really long time. Right. He's a Democrat from West Virginia. Virginia. Like... Right, right. It's not, I mean, it's hard to blame him for being a Republican. There's only one way that he got into office, which is by being a Republican in West Virginia. Well, being is, fossil fuel beholden. Like, yeah. He was a big, like, coal guy. He's always been a yeah. problem. But the bigger problem is just, you know, he, we're all blaming Joe Manchin, but well, there's just too many Republicans in power. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think kind of, I mean, part, to a certain extent, what we're dancing around here is the filibuster that I think is... Yeah. You know the uh, even even with that they would still need to win Joe Manchin's support and he doesn't want to get rid of the filibuster but but the filibuster is and we've talked about this in previous episodes a little bit but um, the filibuster is a rule in Senate procedure where um, for most bills uh, you need sixty votes to move to close discussion yes and move to the vote mm-hmm. and so if somebody just keeps talking then or threatens to just keep talking then they can never move to the vote Well, that's how it used to be so it was a way of delaying a vote until a certain point that like it just doesn't happen um i i don't know all of the the little details about how this has worked but what i do know is it used to be very rare back check back check back check and welcome back to fact check We're not going to go over the long, complicated history of the filibuster here because A, we don't have the time in a fact check, and B, we're currently working on a full episode about it, so you'll just have to wait. What we can do, however, is go over the messy modern history of how it's been used since 1975. Let's talk about cloture for a second. Senate Rule 22, or XXII for our ancient Roman listeners, is a cloture vote that closes debate on any issue. In 1975, the Senate amended its rules so that three-fifths of sworn senators could limit debate on almost all issues. This made sustaining a filibuster much easier than it had been previously. Combine that with a change to the talking filibuster... I always get a great kick out of that part of the Declaration of Independence. Now, you're not going to have a country that can make these kind of rules work if you haven't got men that have learned to tell human rights from a punch in the nose. With a virtual filibuster... Right now, we're inside a computer program. Is it really so hard to believe? Where senators only need to indicate that they wish to filibuster and don't need to actually speak or really do anything to block legislation, and you have this. Number of cloatures invoked from 1917 to 1974, 21. Number of cloatures invoked from 1975 to 2020, 1,094. We'll get into how many of those were enacted by Republicans in the filibuster episode, but anyway... Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. And then yeah. the era of Mitch McConnell came, and he just made it his mission to stop President Obama's agenda, no matter what he had to do. So he's been using procedural tricks, where a lot of the rules in both the House and the Senate were written with the understanding that everyone 
was going to operate in good faith. And now we're living in an era where an entire party is not operating on good faith. And so they're just using whatever tricks they can. And so they're using the filibuster in a way that it was never intended. But there were whole mm-hmm. movies back in like the black and white era. Mr. Smith goes to Washington yeah. where you had to talk the whole day. There's, you know, congressmen that showed up to work wearing yeah. diapers because they knew they were going to do a filibuster. <laughs> and if they gave up the With floor. A and a lunch. Yes. If they gave up the floor the vote would happen. Right. Mitch McConnell changed it so they don't have to do any of that work anymore. They have to send an email and that's all it takes. (laughs) So this has gone so far beyond what it used to be and I don't even think Mm. we have to get rid of the filibuster. We just have to make it work again. So it's like, and Joe Manchin is not entirely opposed to this apparently where the idea would be to go back to the talking filibuster. Like, okay, you want to prevent a vote? You have to talk for three days. Good luck. You know? Um, so there's ways to reform the yeah. filibuster without completely getting rid of it. But I think the bigger issue is yeah. Joe Manchin is kind of a scapegoat at this point. Like there's some things that he's being blamed for that yeah. there are other corporate gr- Democrats that are hiding behind him, but they're, they wouldn't support it either. Yeah. Well, that's the shit. Arizona. Um, Little I Miss think. Weird Outfits. Yeah. She- <laughs> Kristen Semina is who we're talking about. I, I, right. Kristen Semina. Uh, yes. Yes. Cinema. Um, I don't know about her outfits, but uh, yeah, she's, I mean, she's been also taking a, l- a little bit of the mm-hmm. uh, attention lately, but um, they're sort of the, uh, how do you say, the the. Yeah, I mean, they lambs. are <laughs> standing in the way of unity of the Democrats. Of the court. Um, there is truth to that. But the ultimate problem is that the Democrats are trying to do good things and the Republicans, they're the ones filibustering. So I do get a little annoyed with the focus on, you know, the Democrats are are struggling to break the filibuster where it's like, no, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. Senate that's being ground to the halt and uh, to a halt and has been for years by Mitch McConnell and his band of bad faith polls like that should be a focus mm-hmm. but they seem to get a pass because we expect so little from them so all right we brought him up enough times i think i have to ask this question now who is the worst human being mitch mcconnell or marjorie taylor green that's a tough competition um i think mitch mcconnell <laughs> will go down in history as one of the worst humans to ever live because he's so effective at being yeah. a mm. corporate slave like he's so good at it and he's he's truly brilliant in the way that he has served the multinational corporations. So he's evil, but I think he thinks he's doing good in the world. I think he thinks that having a world or a, a Congress that is permanently Republican is a good thing. I think he thinks business having no regulations, he seems to think it's a good thing. And it, it kind of is for the people that he's in a social circle with. To human misery. I mean, his wife is so so rich so it's like he's in a a circle of people he is one of the elite and that is a world that maintains their status so i think that's his motivation where i think marjorie taylor green is going straight to hell for just being a terrible person you know we can look back in a time in history where people were told to wear a gold star and they were definitely treated like second class citizens so much so that they were put in trains and taken to gas chambers in nazi germany and this is exactly the type of abuse that nancy pelosi is talking about who has hate in her heart and is a mean person like she's a bad person but she's so over the top that I don't really worry about her. Where Mitch McConnell has done real damage to our country. And so it, it's a tie. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And so much of Mitch's whole thing is putting judges in place mm-hmm. so that way he can continue to ruin the country for decades after he gets out of office, after he, like, stops drinking the blood of whoever the, like, little puppets were. And... Now which one of us sounds like a QAnon? <laughs> the Dark Crystal. There we go. The juice that all the Skeksis drank. Oh, the Dark Crystal. Okay. I don't know so, what that is. <laughs> excellent answer. Okay, excellent fair answer. However, it was a little bit of a trick question because Mitch McConnell is not a human being; he's a turtle. That oh. is true. Yeah. That is true. Nice. And I wish he would just go back sorry, into his sorry. shell gotcha. and just sleep forever. Yeah, right. Like, have you seen the the little the meme about? Remember the Schoolhouse Rock? How a bill becomes yeah. a law video, right? But it's the bill sitting there on the steps and this turtle with a Mitch McConnell face behind it with a gun. Oh, okay, yeah, that's pretty apt. <laughs> that's pretty that apt. Right. <laughs> yeah, the it's bad all, faith wow. of that man is. Oh God, he's a hypocrite. Anyway. He's. He's just, I don't have a lot of hate in my heart, but if I do hate one person in this world, it's him. Mm, He's just been so Not a lot of people I really, really like actively want to punch in the face, but he's one. He's one that I just want (laughs) to retire. And I've said this about so many boomers, but I just want them to retire. He's trying to. He's trying to. He um, He just won He was trying to like rig some rules so that, so that at the end of this term he can retire. Um, And he got shot down by a court. I, I I can't remember the details, but uh, it was it amused me for a few minutes. Surprised, time. he's all um, for rigging so, things for his own favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like. Uh, anyway. I hate that word rigging. I just feel like it. But that's what our system is. And I I understand what you mean. It sounds really conspiratorial, but the Democrats and Republicans, the more I learn about what they have done to change the rules of how we elect people to benefit themselves, I do think the word rigging fits. Just the way that they Mm. redistrict and the way that people are chosen for the debates. And now I think it was either Patrick or Nathan said it earlier where... Previously on Lost. DNC can pretty much decide who their nominee is going to be based on whatever they want the courts have said that they can do whatever they want with their own primaries and like that's obviously kind of the court's fault but just the structure of them being private and narrowing down our candidates like there's a whole Mm -hmm. they've just they've convinced so much of our country that they have we have a two-party system and now they're making it so that it's that way especially on the executive branch level with the presidency because you know, just the way that they narrow down our candidates and then none others are allowed to debate. I mean, between that right. and redistrict- redistricting, worst. like that qualifies as rigging to me. To draw your own districts is rigging to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's so, fair to use that word. Um, I, yeah, I, it's, I can't disagree. I, it, it sounds, it just, uh, but it doesn't matter. No, you, I mean, it, it's, it's too appropriate. It's too spot on. At a systemic level, it um, works. When you use it with elections, that's yeah. where it gets dangerous. Oh, that, and that's maybe why I don't like it, because it also falls into that, like, uh, big lie. That Q, QAnon camp. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder what your thoughts are on, um, you brought up, uh, gerrymandering and districts and stuff. Multi-member districts, multi-member elections. Where I don't know if you're familiar with the this concept. I don't know what you're referring to. No. So um, I'm so it's a way of drawing the districts so that there's larger districts and 
when you have the election, you'll elect, say, like the top two or three vote getters to represent that district as a whole. So if it's three, right, that's probably going to be one person from three different parties who are going to represent that district in the in the House, rather than one person, one district, where it, what it does is eliminates winner-take-all um, and creates an opening for, you know, independents or, or like third parties to, to get in there. Here's the thing. There's so many ideas out there on how we could do our system differently. But again, the people that are in charge are the ones that created this system. So it's we can discuss all kinds of different ideas, but this yeah. is what we have. And mm-hmm. I just always go back to our ultimate yeah. instruction manual, which is the Constitution. And I feel like we just have to make sure that that doesn't get destroyed any more than it already has. Like, we have to protect <laughs> what we already have. So I just feel like we have the system that we have. And before it gets rigged even worse... We have to get people in charge that will at least stop the bleeding. So we're just not at the place now where I feel like we can even have the... Talk about a replacement system. Yeah, and right? I actually, I don't hate yeah. our system. I hate the way it's been warped by the Democrats and Republicans in particular. Like, they've mm-hmm. decided that the districting process at the state level is going to be something that parties can draw. That's not constitutional. That's not something that was in our system. That's their system. The debate system, that's their system, not ours. The primary system is their system, not ours. We don't even have to have a primary. Like, that's not in the Constitution. It's not required. In fact, the parties aren't named in the Constitution. So, again, in every district... In fact, they're warned against in the Federalist Papers. Exactly. Every district in the United States, there is a path to getting your name on the ballot without being involved in the party system at all. It is not required. And so, yeah, if we want to change their system, we just have to go outside of it, I think. I don't know. See, I don't have the solutions to this. I can tell you what's happening, but like, (laughs) I don't know. So, Jen, I think that this might be a term that you came up with on your show that I love. It's uh, dingleberries. It's an <laughs> yeah. issue. Ba- it's an issue that comes up a lot, and like I feel like they're they're they have poop, good and bad parts because like it seems to be like the only way that we can actually arrive at a compromise. Mm-hmm. But they're also so egregious. Can can you define dingleberries for us and just tell us like a little bit about so- them? The non-vulgar way of describing dingleberries is um, they usually call them riders or even earmarks, but it's basically shit that gets attached to a law and hitchhike it, hitchhikes its way with a law into law. That's a dumb way for me to phrase that. But, um, but basically, they're hitchhikers. And so what I have witnessed is the way that our government is supposed to be funded is there's supposed to be 12 carefully crafted government funding laws that happen every single year and instead of that happening we get these emergency situation laws where all of those are crammed into one or two giant laws and then they stick all kinds of shit on there and that's like must sign legislation because it's funding our government the consequences of it not being signed are government shutdowns and so that's why they take things that wouldn't make it into law on their own and stick it to those. And that's how things that you would be shocked by, like allowing foreign banks to get bailed out with our tax money. Like I saw that get into law as a dingleberry. Just it happens. I've seen international wow. treaties dingleberried into law. Um, huh. So they're very concerning. But wasn't uh, the um, 
some of the COVID, the the COVID relief package. I think the last one of of the last Congress was was all dingleberry. The, the CARES it Act was the it, worst one. Was it the CARES, it was Act? The CARES Act? It was just a dingleberry. It was well, no, the CARES Act did well, have some things that we needed in it, obviously, but like there was a dingleberry yeah. in there that made it easier for sunscreens to get approved. Like they they changed the entire. Um, system for approving sunscreens to make it easier for these companies to do it. There was a, a huge dingleberry. It was a giant unnecessary tax cut for rich people. Um, yeah, it was. For, well, they have been suffering for a long time. Oh yeah, rich people did terrible in the pandemic. Just look at the stock it's, market. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, yeah I still a, got your. I still got your example, back, Jeff. What's that? I I love Jeff Bezos. He's my favorite. So. I like to give him a shout out at least once an episode. Yeah, the CARES Act took care of him for sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but are there are there good dingleberries? Are I mean you you yes. need dingleberries in order to get where we're going, I guess. Yes. But of um, course. like I, if if you had a sword that would stop dingleberries from ever happening again, would you swing it? Like you know, it seems like a complicated thing. I mean, I just feel like so much of this stuff should be done individually. Like, instead of our halls of Congress, like, if you watch C-SPAN at all during the day, if you watch C-SPAN 1 or 2, which is the floor of the House and the Senate, you'll notice that it's empty the vast majority of the time. I feel Mm -hmm. like that hall should be full all day long, and they should be debating bills all day long and doing a lot of this piece by piece instead of these giant massive bills so it's not necessarily like i Mm. look at the dingleberries that make it into law because there's stuff that affects us so like um after the Deepwater horizon spill we officially signed and enacted a treaty with mexico to allow deep water drilling even deeper in the gulf of mexico via dingleberry and i actually know people who make their living in tourism on the gulf coast that another spill i mean the first spill messed up their lives pretty badly but another one i mean that's that's the end not only for their industries but maybe even their entire community so it's like these have serious consequences Mm. and i want to watch out for the bad ones um but then there's also good ones like you'll just see like a bridge (laughs) you know get funded and like (laughs) right we have bridges that fall down all the time so um it seems to me that like the the dingleberry problem if you will is like it really is only a problem in tandem with this other thing where they've been writing all of these bills like behind closed doors. They're not having the committee hearings. They're having like, uh, you pointed out earlier, the executive branch is writing a lot of the laws. It's not even happening in Congress at all. And the stuff that is, they're not having a lot of hearings about. So that I think is where the dingleberries start to really concern me because no one is they're they're never getting exposed they're never getting talked about anywhere. and in a lot of cases especially with these government funding situations we're getting bills like the last one that funded our government also had COVID relief attached was five thousand five hundred ninety three pages and oh, that right. was only available for a couple of days and so we have a situation where not only is there's no committee hearing but like our members of Congress can't possibly know what's in there. So that's where I get really concerned. Um, And I was actually introduced to this concept way back in the beginning by um, a congressman who was just furiously reading through a thousand page bill and ran into the rules committee. It was the only place there was going to be a hearing because the rules committee basically has to decide the rules of debate on a bill before it comes to the floor. And so pretty much for all bills, um, there will be a rules committee hearing where it's at least addressed. 
And so there was a five hour hearing and he ran at the end and he was like, I just found this in this bill. No one knows this is in here. Someone needs to take it out. And it's like, that's the situation that a lot of our representatives are put into if they're not Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer and Kevin McCarthy. And, you know, if they're not the leaders of the party, the people like you know, we like to on politicians, but we do have good people in the Congress that are just yeah. as furious about this as we are. And so many of our representatives are sidelined in this system that, again, this is not the system. This is Democrats and Republicans deciding to run our house this way. So they are at the whims of the leadership. And Nancy Pelosi has been the leader for 20 years of the Democratic Party in the House. Like, mm-hmm. we wonder why nothing's changing. It's because we have the same lady with the same rules. Like, we can't keep having the same people making the rules and expecting anything to change. And so that's what's frustrating, too. I can communicate with my representative all I want, but they have no power because I don't live in San Francisco. So um, right. we need a change in leadership. That's That's really, really key. And there seems to be this attitude a lot of the time, especially with senior leadership, when younger uh, Congress people step up saying, oh, that's that's sweet that you have a little idea there, but wait until you're here a little bit longer. Once you have some experience, you'll know how it really works around here. Like, yep, this this push against any sort of change at all. Mm-hmm. It's their oh, yeah, norms. No, they don't want to change. Yeah. yeah. And they've said I think norms are really important. And I think it's something that's not discussed enough where there is a culture in D.C. where they think this behavior is not only okay, but it's normal. And it's because for them, it has been. This has been going on for decades. There's a culture there. And that's why outsiders, even though it's like disgusting for us and we talk about these politicians as if they're terrible, we do need regular people to step up and get Mm -hmm. into the ring because if we don't, then those norms don't change. And that's what's being created at the top and that the freshmen, I mean, they have these orientations, apparently. AOC did a whole thing on her Instagram story when she first got elected. It was really fun to watch. But they had these um, they have these orientations that are run by the party leadership, and they will, like, walk you over across the street to the phones that you use all day to dial your donors because you're not allowed to dial them from inside the house. And it's the leadership that's introducing you to this system that should be shameful. And there's some politicians that win their first elections, and they go in there, and they're like, what the fuck is this? Like, why are you explaining this to me as if it's okay Mm -hmm. and not like a dirty little secret? So, um, yeah, they're actually, they're encouraging all of this behavior from the top. And I think that's why you do see people get into Congress and then after two years, they seem to have changed. It's because they've been sucked into a culture and told that this is the way it is. And until there's enough outsiders to keep them grounded... I don't see how they don't get a little sucked in, you know, like if you're in any group, you kind of become one of them. How do you not? Well, at this point, I feel like if I don't just announce my candidacy for the Senate, (laughs) what am I doing? I know. And I talk a big game, but I don't want to run either. Like that's. That's a no, big I do want to run. Actually, that's the funny thing. Good, but not right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Senator Andy, well, I, 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 I absolutely superintend to once I have bought a house and know what district I am going to be living in. Okay, uh, for more than the next few months, that's fair. you know. But, um, but that's a little. It's it's. I, I, 
one of the things that I want to really focus on is at the state. This is something that we've talked about. I don't want to dwell on it because I didn't mean to, I didn't intend to bring this up. But at the state level, especially here in Ohio, where the state is nuts, we're crazy. We are like competing really, really hard with Florida for the worst state in the on the planet. Is bad, um, and 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 we're winning. Uh, or gaining ground anyway. Um, I don't know, your anyway, buildings are standing, so, so I don't know. Florida seems ooh. a little crazier. Florida, but that's America's way. Might be a yeah. That, that does suck, though. It does, yeah. but like Florida, that sucks. They are all about so, letting the businesses do whatever the hell they want to. Yeah, so right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I to a certain extent, I feel the same way about that as I do like the blackouts in Texas. Like, yeah. Well, then. Can do your fucking job instead of just getting away with the job you can possibly afford. Yeah, right. To you know. Anyway, point is, what I was getting at was my big thing is changing the the election structure in Ohio um, and building something that appeals to everybody and gets people out who want to vote. One of the thing that things that pisses me off about America is the voter turnout and how crappy mm. it is. People like there's there's three parties. And the biggest party is no thank you party. Like, anyway. But that's not what I wanted to talk. What I wanted to pivot pivot to was something a little bit more upbeat and positive, which is um, some things that are maybe moving in the right direction. You did an episode recently about some medical billing changes that are going to be coming up at the beginning of uh, January 2022, which is only six months away now, uh, roughly. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? That's some good, some, some positive stuff to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this all should have been so basic and done such a long time ago, but, um, one of the, your expectations are up here. I'm going to need you to just go well, ahead. And I mean, it is an example of Congress's power <laughs> to rein in the greed of the private sector because, um, there, there's something that's been happening to Americans all over the place, and it's called surprise medical billing, which is that, you know, mm-hmm. you get into some kind of like car crash or something, and um, like air ambulances are a big one in this, and it's insane. So it's like you get into a car crash, you're so injured that you need an air ambulance. Now, obviously, if you're that injured, you can't call the insurance company and get it cleared ahead of time or like get permission. And so what happens is they, the air ambulance will be a private company. And it will be out of network. And so what happens is you get billed for an air ambulance that's out of network. And sometimes they'll charge you the full pop, like $30,000. Or something that happened to a friend of mine where um, he was having chest pains. And he went into a hospital that was in network. But the doctor that he saw in the hospital was out of network. Something that he Hmm. never, like, why would you even think even ask that like if you go in you do the research you're having chest pains instead of just going to the damn hospital he checked with his insurance to find out which hospital to go to which like let's just talk about how evil that is for one second that we have to take that step with (laughs) chest pains but he did it and so why would he question the doctor and then when he was sent across the parking lot he went to a cardiologist like sent by the the in-network hospital, a cardiologist that shared a parking lot was told that that person was out of network too. So he just got bill after bill after bill and added up to thousands of dollars. And this happens all the time, apparently. And it's the business model of certain hospitals to do this. So like HCA Healthcare is a big player in this game. And like it's a part of how they make profits is that they, they're a doctor-owning company. And so they put their doctors in these 
hospitals knowing that they're out of network and then they collect all of that cash so it's it's an evil evil thing and congress did what they had to do to make it essentially that that's not going to happen to us anymore so if you go and you make the effort to go to an in-network hospital whatever services you get are going to be covered because you're at the in-network hospital so they can't play that game anymore now they gave this grace period of a year during a global pandemic so there's still going to be a lot of bills coming which is ridiculous um but yes congress did s maybe solve a problem for us in the future <laughs> if it survives the dingleberry fest that is to come this year um, when yeah. we fund our government but yeah this is an example of something that was affecting regular people some people i know in my own life and this is the con the power congress has to rein in corporate greed and so um yeah congress is a, a force for good if we demand it and hire people that are willing to to do that i just want them to tell me what i'm gonna pay up front before i agree to services if they're like okay well next you need an x-ray i'm like uh-huh well how much is that like yeah you know but that's just not yeah. a question that other people in other parts of the world even ask it's not even a factor so mm. like when i got sick in germany it was crazy because I got sick in Germany. I went across the street. That's where the doctor was. They were both just like chit-chatting because they had nothing to do. They didn't have any patients that day. So they took me immediately. And when I left, I went and I stood at the counter. And I was standing there for like 10 minutes. I was getting a little pissed. And the guy came out and he's like, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I just want to know how much it is. Like, And he was like, oh, no, honey, you're you're not in the U.S. here. Like, you don't pay. <laughs> like and it was he was kind of laughing kind of like saying it to me with pity but it was it was a real oh. eye-opening moment for me where it's like no like the drugs we gave you you just take them like it's fine we'll call you tomorrow like it was just part of their job just like if we go to the police station we don't ask how much is it to file a police report you know right. how much do am i paying mm. this police officer per hour like it's just not a thing and that's how healthcare is in the rest of the world and we don't seem to realize that like we are paying way more than those other countries are but getting this shit system where we still pay a lot out of pocket and right. the difference is being absorbed by the investors going straight to stock market people so um we're getting hosed guys yeah. <laughs> that that must have been such a culture shock when yeah. he came out and told you that it was and i didn't i was so young i didn't quite get it at the time like i went back to my host mom and i was like he said i don't pay like what does that mean do they send me the bill after are they going to send it to me in the states and like elka had to sit me down and just be like no 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 like it's paid it's done with taxes like we pay taxes for this and then she kind of explained the percentages and when i came home i looked and you know germany has this reputation of being a high tax state but it wasn't all that different from what I pay total as a Californian, mm -hmm. but they don't have people living in tents on every street corner and they don't have to pay for healthcare the way we do. If they have an ambulance, they'll call an ambulance, you guys, if they're just worried about something. Like they can just in case call an ambulance and it'll come and like that's considered a smart thing to do. Where for us, my chest pains have to be pretty bad for me to risk an, uh, an right. ambulance bill, you know? Like it's... Yeah. We are we live in a very weird society and people feel bad for us that know well, and and I think this is one of the problem with healthcare outcomes here is because of that profit motive, we live in a very uh reactionary uh healthcare society instead yeah. of like people proactively going in and trying to take mm -hmm. care of these things 
at a time. I feel like if I were you in that situation and I walked out of that place, I would feel like I was robbing a bank or something. Like I had just gotten away with something. It was actually really nice. And I was shocked. I never got a bill. And the most shocking part to me, and I've said it a couple of times, but the most shocking part to me was when the doctor called the next day to see how I was. Like that just kind of proved to me that they were concerned about my health, but the doctors here don't do that because they don't get paid for those calls. And they're so busy lining us up back to back to back to back to get as many office visits as possible that it's not really paid. And I don't blame them for that because this is how they get paid. Like they're stuck in the same system. They would love to be in that one where if they can keep all of their patients healthy, great their life should be easier if they're that good of doctors um i mean for the most part that's what they'll tell you they've got into medicine to do yeah they shouldn't be forced to work you know 20 hour shifts i hate the fact that we have exhausted doctors and we expect so much of them like it sucks for them too i have friends that are doctors um the pandemic in particular has just really driven quite a few of them to the brink because we push them so hard And then they find that their patients are lying to them because they don't want the health insurance companies to find out about things. And I'm, you know, I worry about that all the time. Should I tell my doctor that I did this stupid thing? Because if the health insurance company finds out I smoked that cigarette, like all of a sudden I'm going to be paying higher premiums for life. Like, I don't know. So um, people hide things from their doctors here. And that's just one aspect. I mean, there's a lot of things about the way we do stuff in the states where we're just not getting... I mean, infrastructure is a great example. We have bridges that are falling down. We have regulators that are not enforcing, like, that building that... I I didn't mean to make a joke about it. I think it's an absolute tragedy, and I'm pissed about it, which is why it's on my mind. But it's like they knew for three years that there was a problem there, but there was no government there being like, okay, you have the report now you condo owners the old people in charge like it's time to collect the money you can't wait this has to be done now or else there's going to be fines on all of you so you either pay for the thing or you pay for the fines there was no government there and that's just like unheard of in other first world countries like we just have allowed the corporate sector to dismantle our government to the point that there's no policing happening in so many different sectors the episode i released today is really me up too because it's about product sef- safety. I had no yeah, yeah, idea yeah. that like our government can't recall dangerous products. They're counting on the companies to do it themselves. And so now I'm just looking at, you know, I was releasing that episode the same day as the building collapse. And I'm just questioning like all these assumptions I had about what our government does. It's like, are, do we have any police on the beat? You know, like hmm, for yeah. so many different sectors, I genuinely hmm. don't know anymore. I'm questioning it, questioning it all. And people in Germany don't. They know if they go into a building that it's being inspected. They don't even... It it just is. And... um, Couple... I don't trust it here anymore. Couple quick thoughts that I want to sort of interject, I guess. One about the the healthcare thing is one of the pieces of that puzzle that, that just... It's a culture shock thing that boggles my mind is is uh drug ads yeah on tv <laughs> like that's that's not really a thing anywhere else ask your doctor as far as i can tell like it's illegal if, no. if zoloft is right <laughs> i go you. to doctor with problem not i go to doctor with pill find a reason to give me this but like it's so 
twisted and backwards. Yeah. Well, it just and imagine, anyway. imagine not just that, but imagine being from another country and seeing this ad, which shouldn't be there in the first place. <laughs> but then the minute-long ad is also thirty seconds of like, oh yeah, you're gonna have rectal bleeding and you're gonna die, and like just all these things that yeah. they have to disclose <laughs> in the commercial, like. That seems like a real bad way of advertising that product. Well, so it's funny you say that because there's a reason that they do that. They are legally required to tell us what the side effects are if they're going to advertise a drug. They lobby hard to make that law go away because they don't want to do that. So you're absolutely right. And other people from other countries come here and they're baffled by it because that is illegal in, I think... I think you have to fact check this, but I think it's illegal in every other country. I think this is the only country where that's allowed, but I, I'm not 100% positive. <laughs> we have but, a function well, for we're that. we're definitely going to fact check yeah, that. Yeah, I'm... Fact check that. Yeah, we have a whole segment that we do regularly <laughs> called fact check. So we're... we're we'll I know, I love it. Before, before, I think before. that's so <laughs> cool. Mini fact check. Ooh, sorry, Jen. I'm afraid I'm going to have to apologize twice. First of all... This fact check is not chunky enough for a full fact check, so all you get is a mini fact check. And secondly, the United States is not the only country where drug makers are allowed to market prescription drugs directly to consumers. We're in good company with our gentle friends from the Shire. This is beyond my skill to heal. He needs Elvis medicine. New Zealand is the only other country where you're allowed to advertise drugs directly to consumers. Mini fact check. So... But yeah, that's it's very rare in the world that that is allowed. Well, and it's the interesting other... also because they automatically on the screen that's the point in the commercial where it's like <laughs> that we're running on the Clouds beach and we're going and for a, like they do all the exciting things and then the announcer's voice becomes very monotone and like all right, it's going to be this <laughs> yeah. and this and this. like all right, don't, you're not fooling any, right you're not you fooling only... anybody. <laughs> But they keep the happy music on the whole time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a dystopian um, 1984 future. One of my so the other... one of my uh, guilty things that I feel really bad about is I've had like you get these earworms stuck in my head a lot, and I've gotten the like song for like some drug that I can't even remember stuck in my head for like the last week. Nice. That's See, what my, I wanted. I hate commercials so much that when they come on, and the rare time I'm watching something live, like my husband and I, we hit the mute button. Like, yep. it's just a habit. <laughs> and great. my friends have started doing it, too. It's just like, we'll be watching football, and she's mm-hmm. like, mute. Like, whoever is closest has to mute it. I hate them. Mm-hmm. I hate That's them so great. Yep. <laughs> so there was uh, something else I wanted to bring up, because we were talking about how, um, you know, these other countries have all these great programs, and they can fund them. And these are countries that obviously are much, not, uh, much poorer than us. I mean, we're ostensibly the most productive one of the richest countries in the world well that's right? a lie and our country is so, so well, indebted so yeah i mean it, yeah i guess it depends on how you slice it but like we my, the point i want to make is like we absolutely could afford these things we can do that the and we, we don't wouldn't need to raise taxes to do it we just would need to spend the taxes on uh the people who live in the country rather than like bombing other countries incessantly and Funding, how many billions of dollars have we given to Israel in arms recently? Like, well, they get at least three billion dollars you know. a year, mm-hmm. and have for as long <laughs> as a, I've been doing the show. I've seen it every year, three billion. The U.S. is a pretty great sugar daddy. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, how do I get in that game? Yeah. I need to start a country. But we're basically like policing the world for multinational corporations to keep their shipping lanes yeah. open and to yep. open markets and like, so like we're the muscle. That's what you're getting with your tax dollars yeah. instead of healthcare. Yes. So we've been suckered <laughs> into paying taxes. Like we always focus on paying the taxes. But we never really look at like where is our money going? What's the return on the investment? And comparing it to others, and I just I would love to see a cultural shift where we do that because I don't mm-hmm. mind paying the taxes. I mind paying the taxes and the health insurance pre- premiums. Like I mind mm-hmm. paying the taxes and then having someone living in a tent in my driveway. Like that, oh. I mind. I mind that my neighbors have to live like savages. Like that's not cool. I mind that my friends and neighbors have to work three jobs just to be able to pay their rent. Like that's insane. Like their costs of living only go up and yet paychecks stay exactly the same. Like we have just allowed ourselves to be just pillaged. And um, again, that's Congress. Congress can do something about all of it. <laughs> when I feel like. I feel like we all have a little bit of Stockholm syndrome too because we fight so hard <laughs> to keep the same crappy system as like a society. I don't think we do. You you don't I feel I feel like we're super apathetic. That's the problem. I think that we haven't been hmm. taught about our system because in my own experience, my journey of doing the show has been just one shock after another after another and you would think after nine years that they would stop but they haven't like it just happened to me with this last episode it just keeps happening where I go like how is this real life how do I not know about this dynamic like what who is supposed to be telling me about this who isn't and so I think one of the other problems that we have is we're trusting sources of news that are getting paid by the same exact companies that are paying off our politicians. Mm -hmm. So there's a cycle. It's, you know, there's a military industrial media complex because they are getting like, how many times have you watched the news and saw a commercial for Boeing? Like, why are they advertising to me? I can't buy a jet because they're not advertising (laughs) to me. They are giving money to these companies like they they buy ads but those ads are not for us those ads are for that relationship it's a way of payment and so there's self-censorship that happens you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you and so a lot of these stories you also have to look at like you have companies paying but then also where does all the the ad money go for politicians so it's like we talk about money in politics what are the politicians buying they're buying ads They're buying ads in newspapers. They're buying ads on television. They're buying ads by the millions of dollars. So it's like they are customers. Politicians and companies are the customers of our media. We're not. So we're what they're selling, really. (laughs) Yeah, like they know that we're the eyeballs. So it's like we're their product. We're not their customers. And that is doing us a huge disservice. So it's like as much as we, I think Congress is important, One of the things that I'm trying to do in my own small way, but it's like we have to find a way to fund people that are not beholden to those same exact interests. We need adversarial journalism that is not funded by these people. And right now we don't have that. So a lot of the things that we're talking about and these dots that we're connecting, they are incentivized not to do that. They're incentivized to actually distract us from the entire racket because they're part of it. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of feels like there's this whole agreement going on where, like, 
they do what they want, and we agree to let them do that if they don't tell us about it. And we all just live in this ignorant bliss. See, I think it's less sinister than that. I think, like, on the individual level, I think it's self-censorship. So, like, the example I had in my last Mm. episode is, like, I talked about a a baby bed that was killing a bunch of babies. And it stayed on our shelves for 10 years. And it was made by Fisher-Price, which is owned by Mattel. Fisher-Price toys keep their promises. And if you watch television, eventually you're going to see a Fisher-Price or Mattel ad. I mean, Barbie is Mattel. They're a huge brand. And so what happens is you're a journalist. You're someone like me, but you're you're collecting your paycheck from this company. You can either do a story that's going to piss off a sponsor and make them look really bad, and maybe your bosses are not going to love that, or... You do another story about a small business in your neighborhood that f***ed up, but like has no political power, doesn't buy any ads. And so you just yeah. choose the easier mm-hmm. path. And mm. it's a silent corruption that I just don't think it's as sinister. Then there's also media consolidation. That's the other part of it. So it's right. like you can turn on your local news right now and it looks local, but you'll see a lot of stories that are there that are actually national stories and they are aired word for word in dozens of other markets in the United States. So you think it's local news, but it's really right. not. They have a hmm. few stories that are local, but most of it is canned because all of these stations have been bought up by just a couple of con- of companies. So you have antitrust issues, but then you also have people that get into journalism to do the right, right thing, but they have overlords that yeah. it just doesn't, it doesn't make your life any easier to piss off your overlords. Nope. No, it does not. <laughs> there was well, shockingly, we, we don't yeah. we don't have any overlords here on Beat a Dead Source, but we'd love some. So please get in touch with us. Yeah, look at joining <laughs> our <laughs> Patreon uh, and Beat a Dead Source at gmail. Please, Jeff, today. Jeff Bezos, please tell us what to report on. Um, yeah. Well, we're 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 a little bit running out of time, um, but uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask is um, uh, Citizens United has been like a big thorn in my side for a long time and it's almost <laughs> like uh how would you ever run against somebody with a super pack without your own super pack um is is there a a path and maybe this is like a, a lot related to what we've been talking about all day but um is there a path to overturning citizens united to getting uh like corporatism out of bed with politics like can yep, we yep. separate those two yes we can in congress in congress <laughs> cool well a great simple all answer right. all right we're <laughs> we're solving problems today <laughs> well that's what the supreme court yeah. keeps saying they're just like listen if you don't like it congress makes the laws we're yeah. just ruling on what the laws are so it's like right. when that came down if you don't like the ruling then change the damn law exactly that's congress was Article 1 in the Constitution for a reason. It is the most powerful branch that we have. So it's like the Supreme Court is just ruling on the laws that Congress made, but Congress has the ability to change them. So, Or more likely that Congress punted to some private organization to write. Well, that happens too. That happens too. And that that goes back to them not having time because they're spending so much time with donors and other Mm -hmm. such bullshit. So we need to create a system where we can elect people who can spend their days legislating and not worrying about their next election. Yeah. 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 So, and, and obviously we, we want to be respectful of your time. So we want to kind of bring it in for a, a landing here in a minute. Um, and for, for, for listeners, you know, if, if 
if you learned a whole bunch of stuff here that you did not know about, I strongly recommend you go check out Jen's podcast, uh, Congressional Dish. Um, episodes, in her episodes, like she, all of these things that we spent like five minutes talking about at a time, she's devotes hours to episodes on end. There's an entire episode dedicated to the National Endowment for Democracy, which is probably one of the most uh, infuriating, mind blowing, scary, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like just, uh, um, so it's, it's, it's a fantastic podcast. Um, but also if you are interested in like, or if you're someone like me who wants to, I would like to be able to pick up some legislation and read it, or or I would like to b- pay more attention to these hearings. But there, there's just so freaking much. Can you maybe make a recommendation about, like, where's a good place to start if you want to put your own eyes on some of this stuff? Sure, and I love that question. So I get my basic information, like the one thing I always put my eyes on, in the Daily Digest section of the Congressional Record. So this is all available online. But the I'm Daily <laughs> yeah. The Daily we'll Digest. We'll get this in a doobly doo. So the Daily Digest is the first, I don't know, four to twelve pages of the Congressional Record. It tells you everything that happened in the House and Senate that day. So if something was voted on, you'll see it. If something became law, you'll see it. So it's like all the important stuff. You'll see amendments, you'll see all kinds of stuff. And then it tells you all of the hearings. And that's what I really love mm. because hearings are all over the place. Like you'll have to, it, it takes some investigative work to find them because right now some are done by C-SPAN and I actually got the inside info on how they pick. Um, they only have three channels. And so what happens is C-SPAN calls up the house and says, this is the hearing we want to co- cover. We're coming, which I think is really cool that C-SPAN gets to pick, but it's been harder for them with the pandemic because they can't just storm into the room with their cameras. So um, it's hmm. been a little different, but C-SPAN, they have a limited number of people that can go on these days. So that's some of them. I'm always fascinated by the off C-SPAN ones, and those you can generally find on the committee websites. The House does them on YouTube most of the time. The Senate is a pain in my ass. They use some kind of player you can't download from it. It's from like the 1990s, because of course it is. It's the Senate. Um, But they are, oh, and you have to use Chrome to watch it, which is super annoying too. So. Uh, hey, I like Chrome. Yeah, I mean, it's fine, but it's just, you know, Senate, just use YouTube. What the hell? So No, I see what you mean. Yeah, oh, I want to yeah, be able to download it and take it with me on the road, but it's like, oh, right. it's a Senate hearing. So um, just like stupid problems that I only, I'm the only person <laughs> that has them. But um, the Daily Digest, though, is how you know that the hearing happened. So it's the one place you can go where you can find it all, and it's usually available the day after. And then you can just look it up by the committee. So it's like, let's say you wanted to watch a hearing and like, I don't know, the House Committee on Consumer or whatever. Like, it'll tell you what the committee is. You go to that website and on every committee with no has with no exceptions that I found, there will be somewhere on the website where you can see hearings and then they'll also have legislation. So sometimes they'll be having hearings on a bill. And you can find it through there if it's not something that's done. Anything that's done, you can find on congress.gov by looking at its bill number or just like browsing. And congress.gov, once you kind of get the the hang of it, is actually a really great resource. And it's pretty easy to, to navigate. And then when it comes to looking at actual bills, 
a lot of them, if they're making new law, are written in plain language. So they're not that intimidating. But the ones that suck are the ones that are editing current law. And you basically have to take these little codes. So it'll say, you know, section whatever of the U.S. code. For, yeah, it sucks. And you have to find the old law. And then what I do is I copy and paste. So I'll take a line from whatever, you know, I'll look at whatever sentence they're editing and put that on a piece of paper and then I'll cross out the words that they cross out and I'll just basically do the instructions and that's how you can find out what exactly they're changing. Those are miserable to do. (laughs) Sounds miserable. Maybe I'm crazy. I'm definitely crazy, but um, maybe I'm wrong, but I think someone proposed some sort of rule or maybe it was a law to change it the way bills are written so that everything is in line so you don't have to do that no i wish no that would make my life all right that must have just been a a wet dream of mine no and what what really (laughs) kills me is that what i feel like should be required is that after something becomes law it should be easy to find the text as it actually is right and um Mm -hmm. there's a university cornell is it um when you look up bills, there's like it'll take you to the U.S. House, um, like the the actual law. But then there's also a university. Is it Cornell? I don't know. We'll get it in. We'll get it yeah. in the doobly doo. Don't. Yeah, it'll. Ha- if you look it up, there's there's one university that does it, but it takes them a while. So it's tough to even figure out what the actual law is. Um, it, it takes a bit of detective work, but once you get the hang of it, of going back and forth, it's not that. It's not that bad. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that is like a, a pretty amazing pro tip in terms of the digest and everything that you mentioned. Yeah. I also have to say your show notes put ours to shame. You have <laughs> love your show notes. The best oh show God. notes I've ever seen in my life. Oh, thank you. I think that's the most important thing I do. And I love that you guys are doing something similar. I think that's so cool. So, but That's I think awesome. it's important but to tell people where we get our trying. information from. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, and, and as you say in every single episode, right? Don't take our word for it, right? Yeah. We're we're here to comment on it, but go check it out for yourself. Yeah. Use your I'm own. I'm just brain. some guy, yeah. you know. Whatever. Right. I feel like right. that's our. I feel like that's our whole I thing. Have, yeah, I have zero qualification to speak on this expertly. I mean, you guys saw <laughs> for yourself that, like, I can. I can be mid-sentence and then my thought is gone. <laughs> like, I'm just a person. <laughs> no, we cut that yep. so the listeners don't yep. know. Oh, uh, well, go. listeners, that happened. So <laughs> this is well, why I do show notes. I am flawed. <laughs> yep, can, yep, yep. can we talk for just a minute about you have uh, at least another podcast, uh, Talking Fat? Yeah. Can you like tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that that was that's an interesting way that came about. So I am a binge eater. <laughs> I have been forever. And um back in 2006, I got up to 215 pounds and I joined Weight Watchers and I've been on it ever since. So um, I keep track of everything that goes in my face. I went off it for three months, gained 20 pounds, realized I'm a lifer. So um, flash forward, I am a podcaster and I started going to these podcasting conferences like eight years ago, something. And I met Jonathan Oaks, who's the host of Trivial Warfare. And he's a big dude, but like everybody loves Jonathan, you know, so we've been friends for years. So Mm -hmm. a couple, probably like three years ago now. I go to one of the conferences. He'd lost 60 pounds. He was looking great. And then the next year I saw him, he had gained it all back and then some. 
So oh. we went karaoke and I had God only knows how many drinks in my system. And we start having one of those like heart to hearts, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, Jonathan, I'm worried about you. You know, like you're, you've gained it all back. Like what's going on, buddy? And so he kind of expressed that he was worried too. He had a six year old son and he was like, I don't want to die. You know, he was like, he's obese and he was just like, I don't want to die. And so I had this idea where I wasn't going to my Weight Watchers meetings anymore. A, because I was like busy all the time and it was kind of far from my house. But then also because I was maintaining, I didn't really feel like I belonged there anymore. Like, because these are just the way I look now. People are just like, okay, skinny, what do you think you're doing here? And it's like, no, I've, I've been in here for 14 years, but like, you don't know that. So um, I wanted to have a weekly check in and Jonathan's in the same boat. Like he doesn't have an extra uh, yeah, hour yeah. and a half, you know, to like go to Weight Watchers or whatever. And like, we're friends. And so... I told him my idea and I was like, you know, I've been wanting to do this for years, but I haven't had the right person. And I, I'm very careful about committing to things, but I was like, I will commit to doing a half hour hard out at half hour every week, but we talk every week and we kind of do our own version of a Weight Watchers meeting. And so we started that right before Thanksgiving of 2019 it was right before COVID he's down 60 pounds. Um, yeah. No, no, no. He's down way more than that. Hold on. He's going to be so pissed that I said 60. Um, <laughs> no, he's he is close enough to where we think he might be able to hit his 100 by the beginning of August. That's his next Wow. Goal. Yeah. Good so, for him. Yeah, he's doing amazing. And like during COVID, we talked every single week. Like we haven't – we missed one week. And that's because – it was new. It's interesting. We only missed one week and it wasn't something we decided to do ever again. I was in Mexico and he was like, yeah, I just want to do it myself. And we decided like, no, we're always going to do it um, together because um, it was bad for me to skip the week. So yeah. it, it, in a way, we're doing it for him because he's the one that has the health issue. But what we love about it is we have one person who's like deep in the I'm trying to lose right now. And then we have one person who's in maintenance and it's. Yeah, we have similar issues, but a little bit different. And I've been down some of the roads that he's just now exploring um, with like how to get back on track and stuff like that. So it's basically like a half hour check in with a friend. We don't advertise it. We don't. I mean, it's just <laughs> we just decided to put it on the in Internet for accountability for us. But also we thought maybe it would help people. And what I love is it genuinely is because people are finding that they either identify with me or Jonathan. And mm. um, yeah, so it's it's actually it's a passion project. Like I don't get any money. I don't want to. It's um, something I do because I genuinely love Jonathan and and I needed it and. Yeah, so we. I love. I actually that. recorded it just before this, and. Um, <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it's it's really really great. It's been wonderful. That's awesome that you wow. do that. I, I've listened to a couple episodes and and found it really interesting and and related to a lot. Um, I'm probably going to keep listening. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm I'm trying to lose some weight in general, but also for uh, I'm getting married in about two months. Oh, congratulations! I'm just pumped that there are uh, podcasting conventions. When are those? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Oh, God. Uh, Podcast Movement is in Nashville the first week of August. And it started as a, as a Kickstarter. That's what's so wild. It was like in this hotel attached to a mall in Texas. Like, I think it was 2013. It was a really long time ago. And I was in the Kickstarter. 
And so we went, and there was a couple hundred of us, and it was really cool because there was something called New Media Expo, and we had a section on podcasting, but it was mainly like for blogs and other things. Like we didn't have our own thing. So that's, <laughs> we had to start the Kickstarter too because the guy that started New Media Expo like literally disappeared. Like we know he's alive, but he kind of took the money for the next year and we never saw him again. It was very oh, weird. Oh no. That's not great. Oh, it's, uh, yeah. it's Donnie. No, I don't want to. I actually really, as a person, I liked him. Like, I like talking to him, so I don't want to, like, put him on blast because he's been on blast on so many podcasts because of that happened. But, like, but when he disappeared, it was like, now we have nothing. We used to have a corner of New Media Expo. Now we have nothing. So, um, but Podcast Movement has now grown from those few hundred people to, I believe we're expecting 2,000 this year. Wow. And, yeah, and I do the orientation, which is super fun. I get to meet the newbies, but then I'm also done with my obligations by the end of the first day. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. um, Nice. I like it. But yeah, I never miss it. And what's interesting about podcast movement is it's just become where everyone goes to meet sponsors. And when I find out what's going on in the industry, like that's things happen there and I get so much information there. So even if I'm not actively looking to learn anything, I always go and, um, yeah, so I'm obsessed with that one. And then the other one is PodFest. That's generally every spring in Florida. And um, I go to that one most of the time, too. But um, Podcast Movement is the biggest. And if you can make it. I mean, it's not too far from you guys this year. But Sweet. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, probably a little bit late in the game for this year. Road, but, uh, road trip? Road trip? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, let's yeah, do it next year, guys. Let's do it. Well, it's not always um, in Nashville. It moves. Oh, well, that's all right. Yeah. Cars it's worth your time, though, especially if you have a show, which you do, where you do guests. Like, you'll meet so many people, and uh, I love it. Yeah. I, I see. Let's do it. Excellent. Speaking of guests, have you guys ever heard of uh, Precious Moments? Precious Moments. That's not a guest, but yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> we no, uh, had them on I, a couple weeks is, ago. Yeah, this has been my my best transition episode ever. Wow. <laughs> my, my favorite part is when you do a transition and then you stop to talk about it, <laughs> thereby ruining the transition effect. No, it's the best. Like, I don't... You, I, oh, my God. Every time. Every time. <laughs> if I don't talk about it, I'll never get better. <laughs> so I, I talked about I'm in Toledo right now and have been, like, doing this back-breaking work every day, but... Uh, one nice thing has been I've gotten to spend, I have two very young nephews. One is, uh, going to be one in two months and one is going to be three in like four days. (laughs) So it's been a lot of fun to spend some time with them, but my older nephew, I'm a goofball and I get to make jokes and it's, I I don't want to say it's easy, but like being humorous has always been my way in with people and especially with kids. And so I feel like it's, it's kind of easy for me to get him to like me. And he does like me now. And we have this connection because I've been able to spend more time with him lately. That's fantastic. But my precious moment is, um, I have sort of been trying to hold Milo, my, uh, younger nephew. (laughs) And Milo is a pretty finicky, so I I held him for about he, – he normally only lets people hold him for a short time, but I hold him for like half an hour, maybe 40 minutes last night. And I went to go hand him off to my mom uh, 
who uh, they call Gigi uh, for she, that's her grandma name. And sure. I go to hand hand him off to Gigi, and he starts crying and reaching back for me. Oh, and like that that was like oh. Oh, right. this is what one of the best moments in my life feels like. Okay, great. Well, that's so sweet. <laughs> yes. Nice. So that's my precious yeah. moment. Him, like, turning around and crying and reaching back for until Nathan. Finally likes you. Yes. I have one. Um, so, uh, Mark Rebelet is um, this YouTuber. He's, like, a musician, and he'll make music on the fly. He's got, like, turntables and a little, um, keyboard, and he'll, like, compose the music as he goes, so, like, he'll start with a beat. Um, he's got a couple of videos, like, uh, how to funk in two minutes, um, a vaccination attitude. He's got a song that's thanking the essential workers, um, from during COVID. His, his songs are just, like, uh, very funny, very humorous. Um, we can put a clip of it in the doobly-doo. But, yeah, Mark Rebelet uh, is a musician that has brought me a lot of joy, like, just recently. Jim, would you like to go last, or would you like to uh, let me be the final anchor to the sinking ship? <laughs> that doesn't matter. Um, I mean, what do you want me to do? Doesn't matter to me. If you have something ready, go for it. Well, I mean... It's not really a moment, but when I just think of, like, joy, I've just been telling people lately that, you know, I've had a hard year, and yet I've never... It's kind of like a bigger joy. It's not like a moment, but mm -hmm. um, I'm traveling full-time now, and, like, it's been my first month of it, and we're almost at the end of the first month, and I'm just, like, loving it so much more. Like, I knew that I'd enjoy it, but I'm loving it so much more than I thought I would. Like, my diet is getting better because it's... It's just, I'm not just waiting for the next meal. I'm not just like <laughs> bored all the time. Like I'm going for walks in new neighborhoods every day and um, just kind of like out in the world. And I sold all my stuff and I don't miss anything. Like I'm perfectly happy in this hotel room. And it's just, um, wow. I'm just really happy all the time because I just have this freedom. And, you know, we, my um, husband's father had a heart attack recently. And so that's why we're in Seattle. I was supposed to be in Idaho right now. And, um, but us being able to come here and stay for a month and be here when he gets out of rehab and be here for his birthday. And like, just to have this freedom that I just don't think a lot of people have. I know that we're living in a really weird way, but, um, yeah, I'm just really grateful that we were able to pull this off and that it's working and, yeah, I'm so I'm just like happy in general, I guess. Nice. Like whenever I think of joy, I'm just kind yeah. of thinking that like I'm feeling a lot of it right now, just like in life. <laughs> so That's amazing. That's a no, great yeah. precious moment. Yeah, I'll I, take that. I hope that like one day I'll get to know what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> um no, that sounds awesome. And uh if you if you find yourself spending a month in Cleveland, uh we'll, we'll definitely be happy to show you the sites and There's there's not uh, that many sites. We can show you the stamp. <laughs> I do want to come to Cleveland, though. I have a bunch of friends, and they're all... It's really weird, because they're all from he Cleveland, but they're all the biggest hippies I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, yeah. We and they're so fun, right. and I just don't sure. get it. I want to know, like, where the hell do these hippies come from? <laughs> in this deep they come red from state. Coventry. <laughs> right. They come from Coventry. Uh, it's where, like, that's the little strip of of bohemia of hippie bliss. Yes, <laughs> bohemia that, uh, that I grew up in, and Pat, I... You spent a lot of time. Oh yeah, Coventry, I was right? a big Coventry yeah. kid. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, both of us lived on Coventry. Yeah, I for lived a while. on Coventry too. 
Did you too? Yeah. yeah. It's right, got to go. be so, fun because everyone I know it's from a- Cleveland is amazing. Aww. <laughs> well, it's great. Today. That may just be an issue of selection. <laughs> selection bias. <laughs> because we are not all amazing. <laughs> I've never disliked someone I've met from Cleveland. Aww. Never. So. Well, come visit and we can change that. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> no, it is actually a pretty good place. Um, just you got to come at the right time. Don't don't come in the winter. It no. is especially like January, February are the worst months. Avoid those at all costs. I yes. will. I love thunderstorms, uh, so your summers are something I envy. Oh yeah, yes, we have those. definitely. Co- and do you? So I out west, you guys don't even have fireflies, do you? No, we just have lightning fires. bugs. We call them. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this is something that like my um, I, I went to college with, with some people from. Um, from California and they were like they, here in Ohio when we went to college in Ohio and they the that like first it was still the fo- like sort of late summer and they got there and they saw these like at night these little things lighting up and they were tripping out yeah. for me it's like I've been oh yeah that's a lightning bug you catch it in a jar and read your comic book next to it. <laughs> really oh that's cool I've never caught one my stepbrother lived in Toledo so I actually went yeah and like hung out there for a bit i was amazed by your lack of sidewalks that was weird but um but yeah i I did see the lightning bugs and they're a trip like they're Mm -hmm. yeah i've never seen bugs that light up before so my precious moment this week is a uh, a clip from a tv show um the show is called the good fight i don't watch the show I might start because this clip was absolutely hilarious, but this this clip, this little bit went kind of viral, and it absolutely had me in stitches, and I'm going to play it for you guys right now um, because it's really only about a minute long or so. So, Can you guys see that sure. okay? Yeah. I think Chuck is pointing out a double standard here, Adrian. I mean, take hip-hop. We've talked about this on the show before. You have African-American rappers saying inward this and inward that, but a Caucasian can't. So say it. Say what? Say the word you want to say. I'm not saying that I want to say it. I'm just saying that I can't. Sure you can. Say it. Say it right now. <sighs> I will say it with you. Okay. This is hypocritical. You know we can. Sure you can. This is America. Cut to commercial. Cut to Cut commercial. Cut to commercial. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's, oh, no. that's good enough. But, um, that's funny. Was that, that like a had... comedy or is that an actual news I show. didn't know it's a com- so the good fight is a comedy show it's a scripted like sitcom I think basically oh, okay. um, I think it's a drama if I if I remember a correctly, drama okay it was a it's a sequel to the good wife which is definitely a drama so mm. I'm guessing I have never seen an episode I've never seen either but I oh, yeah that's so great. so it's it's from a scripted show that's not really something that happened like on real I movies. wanted this to be real <laughs> Uh, I know. Isn't I know. it sad that we all were kind of like, oh, this could be real, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, speaking, it does sound like something that would happen on Fox. Speaking of things that are real, I want to thank you so much, Jen Briney. This has yes. been such a delight. Thank you, uh, Jen. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. You were amazing. We w- Hopefully we didn't drag it on too long. Well, I yeah, just we- apologize for not having all- any of the answers for, like, what do we do about it? Oh, no, that's <laughs> fine. No. Oh, no, that's we're all, right. we're all trying to figure it out together. Well, we will definitely call you a friend of the pod from now on. We Absolutely. Yeah. As you should. <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> and it- uh, yeah. yeah, and in the meantime, I really need to come up with a catchphrase. Well, hopefully we gave you something to think about this week. Love you, bye. Bye. He, don't worry about Nathan, he does, he does this. this. Yeah.
goes on for. We can. I think his record is what, like, oh. fifteen seconds. He's got those uh, opera. Lungs. Has he ever just passed out? No. What we're still hoping, waiting. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> One of these days, we'll just hear a thud in the background. Yeah, I feel like I would lose consciousness. <laughs> but I feel that. like that would be really good pod, though. If I did yeah. pass out, yeah. video pod, though you can't. Yeah, yeah, it's gotta be video. And that was clearly another successful episode. If you're here because you're a fan of Jens, welcome. Any fan of Jens is a fan of ours. I don't know if that's exactly the way it works, but I'm going to take it. Anyway, please check out some more of our episodes. Uh, We also have a discussion page on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, if you're so inclined. We also have a Patreon, where you can come and listen to unedited episodes of the podcast. Well, unedited in that we leave all the swear words in. And you get exclusive mini-episodes 30 days before anybody else gets them. It's a good deal. I mean, it's a deal. Links for all of this and several of the topics we mentioned in the episode are available in the show notes, or as we call it, the doobly-doo. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Have a good week, and we'll see you soon. They are, um, sorry, I just had a total brain fart. Um, <laughs> so I like, I complete. I just saw my phone if, light up and I shouldn't have had it face up. Um, <laughs> sorry. You're fine, you're fine. For what it's worth, we edit this thing I, pretty hard. Okay. So if you ever stumble over yeah. your words or anything, you can just restart your sentence and I'll make sure you sound good in the final edit. Okay, cool. Thank Shut, you. I, I lose my thought mid-sentence constantly. Yeah, I right. think... <sighs> At least once an episode. Yeah, that was brutal. I haven't had one that bad oh. in a long time. <laughs> Redistring the debate. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, one of you guys said that they... Um, oh, my God, it just happened again. It just happened again. <laughs>